very much and thank you, Jeannie. It is my profound honor to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life. Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. It is just grand to have you join me for another episode of Life on Planet Earth, and I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Now, I'm going to begin by stating that the fake news syndrome only hit me like a terrible 2x4 after I got back from this year's March for Life in Washington, D.C., I should have said the massive, yes, massive March for Life in D.C. Now, just think about that for a moment. I have attended the March for Life before, and I can assure you that this one is for the records. Our group in D.C. was happily ensconced and scrunched together at the National Mall, and it was a project just to move from point A to point B, let alone get near the staging area to listen to the first sitting president in U.S. history to address and attend the March for Life in person. We will be playing President Donald J. Trump's speech later. You just heard a clip. There are many reasons the official numbers for the March for Life are not released soon afterwards. And yes, maybe some people just don't want you to know the full truth. Another reason, we are told, is the sheer challenge in calculating, which I personally find hard to swallow, given all our advanced technologies and mapping ideas today. Now, whether ultimately the National Park Service does offer guidance later on this year's March for Life is always a wee possibility, but the National Park Service, remember, in 19... 1995 stopped releasing estimates after a dispute, a big barney about how many attended the Million Man March that year. The Park Service was indeed threatened with a lawsuit when they estimated 400,000 showed up to the Million Man March, which organizers believe was inaccurate. They said 1 million showed up. Now, based on our observations, this may have been the largest attendance in the 47-year history of the March for Life in D.C. For the history books, the biggest March for Life event to date, we are told, was in 2013, which drew an estimated and whopping 650,000. That record could well have been beaten since then, but that's what we are told and led to believe. The numbers estimated for today vary widely. The media want to play it safe and tend to use the safe tens of thousands, whatever that means, which is sort of meaningless to describe crowds from sea to shining sea, young, middle-aged, seniors, working class, middle class, poor, rich, super rich, white collar families with babies and strollers, clergy, religious, atheists, secularists, 
Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and from other countries like Ireland, Europe, and Australia, a great big mass of pro-lifers gathered at the National Mall in Washington. Safely, 500,000 attended. Dr. Pat Castle, founder of the incredible Life Runners, told me. In other words, likely more than half a million showed up. How about one million, give or take, a few here and a few there? Well, that is what one very knowledgeable and well-informed source, a very professional young man who attended the march this year, informed me at the march. Now, last year, this gentleman estimated the crowd size hit around 870,000. And he said this year, 127,000 people attended Catholic Church Masses in the days leading up to the parade in the wider DC area. These are his numbers and I can't verify them, but they seem true to me as an eyewitness. So imagine our shock when the New York Times, the venerable New York Times, led with this story in one of its sections when the march took place in Washington this year. And let me just say, first of all, I have some good friends who have worked over the years for the New York Times, and they are skilled and superb writers and professionals. But this New York Times story displayed an unbelievable bias. Here's how the story starts off. Dateline Washington. Demonstrators flooded the National Mall on Friday morning in anticipation of an historic moment for the anti-abortion movement, the first sitting president to address the annual March for Life in person. President Trump did not disappoint them. Quote, Unborn children have never had a stronger defender in the White House, unquote. He told the crowd of religious school groups and anti-abortion activists who packed the mall to hear him speak. Now here's my problem. Yes, there were some demonstrators to be sure, but they were barely visible and were lost in the vast pro-life crowd in Washington. And I don't think they flooded the National Mall. To flood something is almost like saying they drowned out the massive pro-life crowd. We counted literally a scattering of demonstrators holding anti-abortion placards and crude signs, some of them hastily prepared. In one corner, there were maybe seven pro-choice demonstrators, and maybe there were a few dozen here and a few dozen more over there. This was no flood in Washington. Yes, I will compliment the Times for quoting the president correctly and acknowledging anti-abortion activists packed them all. But you get the bigger picture. Much of mainstream media could not play this straight and never does. Americans in growing numbers are pro-life. But why is the mainstream not covering the pro-life movement on the facts? When they take their bias to these extremes, it's condescending and counterintuitive, and it's downright frightening and totalitarian in measure and scope. The New York Times is not alone. Other outlets publish quotes to coincide with the March for Life this year from Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion activists while downplaying the rising chorus of pro-life voices in America. It's as if they send a squad of reporters to cover the high school basketball game or the Super Bowl, and because 
the media outlets or reporters don't like the outcome, they fail to mention the score or add some odd twist. Oh, it was all a big fluke for the winning side. Of course, being pro-life is not about winning. It's about protecting the most innocent and most vulnerable in our society, the unborn. And it's also about ending taxpayer funding of abortion in America and worldwide. Now, you just heard President Trump at the start of this episode. And say what you will, say what you might, he may well clearly be the most pro-life president in the history of the United States. And sure, while we may pick and choose what we like and don't like about the president, and while he may be a polarizing president, and sometimes he may be best advised to choose his language more carefully on some matters, there is something else at play here. America is a deeply divided nation. So is most of the West today, divided between good and evil, between a future of economic prosperity with sensible expectations, or a future of fiscal and economic disaster where our basic civil and human rights for the unborn and born are crudely stripped away. Many people are just not paying attention, but there is hope. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Now, while the big push for the protection of human life in the womb in America is focused on repeal of the Supreme Court's pro-abortion Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion across America, we recently caught up with Father Stephen Imbarado, the U.S. protest priest, a dedicated pro-lifer arrested for his activism in the Red Rose Rescue Movement, and who seems to have an inside track at the White House, and certainly a fascinating take on the end of legalized abortion in America. Yes, if re-elected, the pro-life president in the White House could, with the stroke of his pen, sign into law, we're told, the Personhood Proclamation Presidential Executive Order. We recently interviewed Father Stephen Imbarado, and we're going to just go back to a short excerpt from that longer interview. So our Lord led me to Red Rose Rescues where I go into these buildings. And actually the original plan was to go into the waiting rooms of these buildings and actually talk to the women, give them red roses, give them resources to save their babies. Now if you're in the waiting room, obviously the medical professionals can declare you trespassing immediately and ask you to leave. And if you don't leave, you're subject to arrest. Well, we came to the realization in the rescues that I did that if you, uh, and, and, and most of the time, if you're in the waiting room, as soon as they tell you you're trespassed, and they take all the patients, and they bring them into the back office anyway, so you don't have access. So we started going out into the hallway, and we start counseling the women getting off the elevator, walking down the hallway to these abortion facilities. In essence, what we would do is extend the sidewalk from the front of the building into the hallways of these uh, multi-unit professional buildings. And we found out that as much as anyone else, we have a right to be 
in these hallways, these are common areas. And then unless somebody from the building came, a building manager or property manager came and said, you're trespassing, you have to leave, we're allowed to stay in these in these common areas. And the fact of the matter is that in many of these situations, there's nobody from the building or nobody from the property on the premises and they have to go find them. So we have found ourselves in these buildings for three, four hours, saving babies, saving moms, helping moms, turning moms around, saving their babies. In a couple of instances, shutting down the abortion mill, not because we shut down the abortion mill, but because the police would not allow access to the floor that we're on while they're looking for the building manager. We've saved untold babies, countless babies, by doing these rescues in these multi-unit professional buildings. And so I've been arrested five times doing this. Uh, I, in one of the uh, instances, I never pleaded guilty. He found me guilty, and I told the judge, I'm not going to accept probation. I'm not going to do community service. I don't pay fines, so you're going to have to send me to jail. <laughs> I said, and in jail, I will have a greater voice for the babies in jail. And this was in D.C. I do my rescues in D.C., so I find myself in jail in Washington, D.C., and of course, a Catholic pro-life priest in jail. The irony of me doing these Red Rose rescues in Washington, D.C., and I think it was divine providence, the irony of me getting arrested and spending time in jail in Washington, D.C., is also for the last two years, I have been communicating with the Trump administration. President signing a personal proclamation presidential executive order. They have announced the fact that they have told me that they have received my materials in regards to an executive order declaring personal from the moment of conception. People, your viewers, your listeners probably don't know that on November 7, 2018, a little over a year ago, after the last election, we lost, the Republicans lost the House of Representatives. They asked President Trump, what does that do for your pro-life agenda? And his answer was astounding. He said that I have a solution to the abortion issue that nobody else has. It's divisive and inflammatory, so I can't explain it, but we're working on it. Well, as soon as I heard that, I knew what it was. I knew it was the person in presidential executive order that I had given the administration two years before. The executive order simply is, in its simplest form, I, Donald Trump, through this presidential executive order, do recognize constitutional personhood from the moment of fertilization based on indisputable science, abundant case law. I direct all my federal agencies and departments to, to act accordingly. Department of Justice, for instance, HHS, who already are, right, the federal mm -hmm. law. And the irony is that getting arrested in Washington, D.C., you're prosecuted by the Department of Justice, the federal district. So here you have what people call the most pro-life president in history, and I won't dispute that, but the fact of the matter is the most pro-life president in history has a pro-life priest that keeps getting arrested in the federal district getting prosecuted by the Trump administration. That's why five times the charges have been dismissed against us. I personally believe it's from the direction of the administration who does not want pro-lifers, especially a pro-life priest, in jail in Washington, D.C. I've made it clear to the prosecutors that I'll continue doing Red Rose rescues and that the only alternative they're going to have if they find me guilty is to send me to jail. 
I'm convinced they don't want to send me to jail, uh, but they want me to stop doing it. So right now my strategy is that if the president gives me personally, privately, a guarantee that he will sign this person a proclamation presidential executive order after he gets reelected because he says he has a solution, I know what it is, so I know he has the power to implement it. And, of course, if he gets reelected, he'll have no more excuses. And the fact of the matter is, I told the president that you can either be the new Lincoln, indeed, you signed the person of proclamation presidential executive order, right. or if you have a solution to the abortion issue and you don't implement it after you have no more excuses, after you get reelected, then truly we can say the blood of every baby that dies in your second term is on your hands. So that's what he's facing. That's where our Lord has brought me. Red Rose Rescues, Person and Proclamation, Presidential Executive Order. It's all laid out on my website, protestchildkilling.com. Again, that's protestchildkilling.com. But it's all there. Uh, this is where our Lord has led me over the last couple of years in my pro-life action. The prevailing narrative in liberal and conservative media on the abortion issue in America is Roe v. Wade. Repeal or retain. That's right. That's the prevailing narrative. The beauty of this is, and I, and I talked to the Trump administration, my contact in the Trump administration, it, when he said that I have a solution to the abortion issue that, that nobody else has, he meant nobody mainstream publicly in the pro-life movement, right? And he got it from me, all right? I sent it to him in July of 2017. He said, I can't explain it because it's divisive and inflammatory. He can't let the cat out of the bag ahead of time, right? Because it'll change the entire, it'll, it'll cause upheaval in the country. It's a civil war. Uh, so he said, I can't explain it right now. He's not going to give advance notice. I believe that when he gets reelected, he's going to announce it one day, sign it one day, direct federal law enforcement to close the abortion mills, and indeed start prosecuting anyone who does an abortion from that point on. And then force the Supreme Court to rule on whether these babies are constitutional persons from the moment of conception. The Supreme Court does not rule in person from the moment of conception it's a worse decision than that dred scott it'd be it'd be worse than roe versus wade it'd be worse than the people would not accept it because clearly babies from the moment of conception are constitutional persons as the constitution is written 14th amendment hmm. right equal justice under the law due process right they're being murdered without any due process. Father Imbarado, it was a pleasure talking to you. If people want to reach you, can you give us your website contact details here? Yes, protestchildkilling.com. Protestchildkilling.com. One word, protestchildkilling.com. Sure, John, thank you so much. So there you have it. We will end this episode with a very sweet bookend. The President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, addressing the massive crowds in Washington, D.C. at this year's March for Life, attended by, wow, let's say as many as one million. Stay strong and God bless America. Well, thank you very much and thank you, Jeannie. It is my profound honor to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life. We're here for a very simple reason, to defend the right of every child, born and unborn, 
to fulfill their God-given potential. For 47 years, Americans of all backgrounds have traveled from across the country to stand for life. And today, as President of the United States, I am truly proud to stand with you. I want to welcome tens of thousands, this is a tremendous turnout, tens of thousands of high school and college students who took long bus rides to be here in our nation's capital. And to make you feel even better, there are tens of thousands of people outside that we passed on the way in. If anybody would like to give up their spot, we can work that out. You have a tremendous group of people outside, thousands and thousands wanting to get in. This is some great success. Young people are the heart of the March for Life, and it's your generation that is making America the pro-family, pro-life nation. The life movement is led by strong women, amazing faith leaders, and brave students who carry on the legacy of pioneers before us, who fought to raise the conscience of our nation and uphold the rights of our citizens. You embrace mothers with care and compassion. You are powered by prayer and motivated by pure, unselfish love. You're grateful, and we are so grateful. These are incredible people to be joined by Secretary Alex Azar and Kellyanne Conway. Thank you. And thanks also to Senators Mike Lee and James Lankford, who are here. Thank you, fellas. And Representatives Steve Scalise, Chris Smith, Ralph Abraham, Warren Davidson, Bob Latta, John Joyce, Lloyd Smucker, Brian Fitzpatrick, and Brad Winstrup. Thank you all. And I have to say, and I look at it, and I see it exactly, we have many, many more politicians in the audience, but if you don't mind, I won't introduce them all. All of us here today understand an eternal truth. Every child is a precious and sacred gift from God. Together, we must protect, cherish, and defend the dignity and the sanctity of every human life. When we see the image of a baby in the womb, we glimpse the majesty of God's creation. When we hold a newborn in our arms, we know the endless love that each child brings to a family. When we watch a child grow, we see the splendor that radiates from each human soul. One life changes the world from my family, and I can tell you I send love, and I send great, great love. And from the first day in office, I've taken a historic action to support America's families and to protect the unborn. 
And during my first week in office, I reinstated and expanded the Mexico City policy, and we issued a landmark pro-life rule to govern the use of Title X taxpayer funding. I notified Congress that I would veto any legislation that weakens pro-life policies or that encourages the destruction of human life. At the United Nations, I made clear that global bureaucrats have no business attacking the sovereignty of nations that protect innocent life. Unborn children have never had a stronger defender in the White House. And as the Bible tells us, each person is wonderfully made. We have taken decisive action to protect the religious liberty. So important, religious liberty has been under attack all over the world and frankly, very strongly attacked in our nation. You see it better than anyone, but we are stopping it. And we're taking care of doctors, nurses, teachers, and groups like the Little Sisters of the Poor. We are preserving faith-based adoption. And to uphold our founding documents, we have confirmed 187 federal judges who apply the Constitution as written, including two phenomenal Supreme Court justices, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. We are protecting pro-life students' right to free speech on college campuses. And if universities want federal taxpayer dollars, then they must uphold your First Amendment right to speak your mind. And if they don't, they pay a very big financial penalty, which they will not be willing to pay. Sadly, the far left is actively working to erase our God-given rights, shut down faith-based charities, ban religious believers from the public square, and silence Americans who believe in the sanctity of life. They are coming after me because I am fighting for you and we are fighting for those who have no voice and we will win because we know how to win. We all know how to win. We all know how to win. You've been winning for a long time. You've been winning for a long time. Together we are the voice for the voiceless. When it comes to abortion, Democrats, is a, and you know this, you've seen what's happened, Democrats have embraced the most radical and extreme positions taken and seen in this country for years and decades, and you could even say for centuries. Nearly every top Democrat in Congress now supports taxpayer-funded abortion all the way up until the moment of birth. Last year, lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation 
that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb right up until delivery. Then we had the case of the Democrat governor in the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And we love the Commonwealth of Virginia, but what is going on in Virginia? What is going on? The governor stated that he would execute a baby after birth. You remember that. Senate Democrats even blocked legislation that would give medical care to babies who survive attempted abortions. And that's why I've called on Congress, two of our great senators here, so many of our congressmen here, and called upon them to defend the dignity of life and to pass legislation prohibiting late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in their mother's womb. This year, the March for Life is celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which forever enshrined women's rights to vote in the United States and given by the United States Constitution. Such a big event. Today, millions of extraordinary women across America are using the power of their votes to fight for the right and all of their rights as given in the Declaration of Independence. It's the right to life. To all the women here today, your devotion and your leadership uplifts our entire nation, and we thank you for that. The tens of thousands of Americans gathered today not only stand for life, it's really here that they stand for it so proudly together. And I want to thank everybody for that. You stand for life each and every day. You provide housing, education, jobs, and medical care to the women that you serve. You find loving families for children in need of a forever home. You host baby showers for expecting moms. You make, you just make it your life's mission to help spread God's grace. And to all of the moms here today, we celebrate you and we declare that mothers are heroes. Your strength, devotion, and drive is what powers our nation. And because of you, our country has been blessed with amazing souls who have changed the course of human history. We cannot know what our citizens yet unborn will achieve, the dreams they will imagine, the masterpieces they will create, the discoveries they will make. But we know this, every life brings love into this world. Every child brings joy to a family. Every person is worth protecting. And above all, we know that every human soul is divine and every human life, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of Almighty God. Together, we will defend this truth all across our magnificent land. We will set free the dreams of our people and with determined hope, 
we look forward to all of the blessings that will come from the beauty, talent, purpose, nobility, and grace of every American child. I want to thank you. This is a very special moment. It's so great to represent you. I love you all. And And I say with true passion, thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you all. Thank you. listening to life on planet earth with john aiden byrne to reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities call 973-664-9460 in the u.s or email burndesk at gmail.com that's 973-664-9460 in the u.s or email burndesk at gmail.com 973-664-9460 9460 in the US or email burndesk at gmail.com.